0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of 1111 Talk Radio. I am delighted to be with you again this week and to bring you another powerful show one that's very timely with a recurring guest, Mark Nepo. Uh, He is beloved by so many, including myself, and he writes some really, really amazing books that touch the heart and connect us to our souls. And so I'm looking forward to getting deeply into conversation with him about his latest book called Surviving Storms. Before I do so, I want to talk a little bit about where we've been and the type of world that we appear to live in all that feels sometimes so heavy and constricting, things that we perhaps want to push away or push down and not face. And yet these things are right in our face time and time again. The past few years have been dismantling and disjointing. They have been the type of experiences that knock us off of our feet and send us off kilter. And yet there is something in them that... Can shift us and can change us, that can move us to a higher octave of experience. I've gone through my own set of experiences, as you will hear Mark talk a little bit about his own cancer experience that has taken him so deeply into understanding the nature of storms and how to move through and rise above them, and yet how they also leave an indelible imprint upon us, how they crack us open and leave those frying cracks so that we continue to open deeper and deeper. My own experience of trauma and resilience over the past eight years has done just that. And before I get into Mark's book, I want to mention my new trilogy that has begun releasing this year. The first two books are out. They are called Living, the Seven Blessings of Human Experience. And the second one is Being, the Seven Illusions that Derail Personal Power, Purpose, and Peace – These books are not meant to be read quickly. They are meant to be taken in perhaps a few lines or a paragraph a day. They are a gridwork, a ladder of multidimensional experience, and very much aligned to today's conversation. So when you order Mark's book, I hope you'll also take a look at mine. My guest today, again, is Mark Nepo, and with over a million copies sold, Mark Nepo has moved and inspired readers and seekers all over the world with his number one New York Times bestseller, The Book of Awakening. Beloved as a poet, teacher, and storyteller, Mark has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time, a consummate storyteller and an eloquent spiritual teacher. His work is widely accessible and used by many, and his books have been translated into more than 20 languages. As a best-selling author, he has also published 23 books and recorded 16 audio projects. His recent works include The Book of the Soul, A Nautilus Book Award winner, Drinking from the River of Light, A Nautilus Book Award winner, and More Together Than Alone. Today we are talking about his latest titled Surviving Storms, Finding the Strength to Meet Adversity. Welcome, Mark, back to 1111 Talk Radio. It is always a pleasure to have you here.
2: Oh, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you as always. Thanks for having me.
1: This book is really about the heart's process of finding renewal and connection. And it comes from really understanding that life brings about these deeply human experiences or these deeply empowering experiences of humanity. Uh, You started off the book talking a little bit, and I want to just have you briefly touch on it uh, because we had discussed it before in in prior conversations, but to give kind of a foundation for how you understand what a storm is like. You start off the book talking a little bit about The cancer, and you have a line in there that says the cancer I had was not as important as what it opened in me. And I imagine that that's the message that you're trying to get across, that whatever the situation is that is coming to us, whatever the storm, is really not as important as what it is going to open up within us.
2: Yeah. So, so the yes, it's, it's not to rationalize or to dismiss the difficult things that we encounter. They're real. We have to move through them and we're always open to something unexpected. You know, I mean, you know that I opened the book, uh, with a chapter called the old world is gone. And during my cancer journey, which the heat of it, which was thirty four or five years ago and uh, about three year period where I had a rare form of lymphoma and almost died and had surgeries and chemo, which almost killed me and was just, you know, turned inside out and upside down into the rest of my life, which I couldn't have imagined. Um, You would have asked me um, what I might be doing at, at this age, I, I wouldn't have had a clue to approach at all what's unfolded. But the thing that, that I mentioned there in the beginning of the the book, and, and as you know, the first part of the book, I'm trying to take my guess at how we are where we are in this world right now. And then the first thing is that I was so reminded of a moment when I was first diagnosed and I had gone to a doctor I had a tumor growing in my skull bone and and I left that appointment being told I had a rare form of cancer. Of course, I was in my early 30s. I was terrified. I had no idea what was happening next. But the door I had come through to keep that appointment when I left was gone. There was no way back to life before that appointment. And I feel that the pandemic has done that to humanity. Much as we'd like to, quote, return to normal. And there are whole pockets of our society that are angry or in denial uh, or upset. The old world is gone. It's gone, and the only way is to love each other forward. And and so the storm, you know, as I look at, at where we are, and I do believe it's our turn. You know, every generation has something that challenges it. Will we choose love over fear? Will we realize we're more together than alone? Will we huddle and retreat into self-interest, or will we help each other up? And this is our turn. These things are very real, very challenging, and yet uh, the kinship, the web of kinship, that has always held life together is still a fabric under all under all the trouble so you know the the metaphor that was so powerful for me about storms and this is actual storms and emotional storms and societal storms relational storms uh, they're part of life is no one can can is exempt from them but is the the metaphor that started that helped me find a way into this whole inquiry was of redwood trees, the great redwood trees out in the West Coast. And um, they're enormous. You know, I mean, some of them are a thousand years old. They're hundreds of feet high, maybe 15, even 20 feet in diameter. And they might be damaged in a storm, but rarely, if ever, would they be uprooted because their trunks are wide and their roots are strong and their roots actually in a redwood grove are connected to each other. And so this is why we need to have an inner life, a relational life and a personal spiritual practice. So we can strengthen our roots, connect to each other's roots and widen our trunks. This is how we will endure the storms of our time. And so, you know there is a there are a couple of central things about the nature of storms at whatever level they appear and and you Simran, you brought up that first one that yes what you know whatever opens us is never as important as what is opened and uh and you know sometimes the things that open us are are horrible and difficult and unfair and unjust and that's real and something is always opened. You know, there was in the in the 1700s, actually the 1600s, there was a samurai, a lifelong samurai warrior in Japan by the name of Masahide. And he uh, he, he laid down his sword and left that life to apprentice as a poet with Basho, the great. Japanese poet Basho, I would have loved to have talked to him and what happened there? You know, why didn't you make such a turn in your life? But he, his famous haiku, Three Lines, speaks to this. His famous haiku goes like this. My barn, having burned to the ground, I can see the moon more completely. And the power in those lines is just what we're talking about. There's no minimizing the loss of the barn burning to the ground. And yet, once the barn was out of the way, the vastness of life was now accessible.
1: Mm, I read a a beautiful sacred text, and it had a a story about a samurai as well. And the the samurai in this story said, live as if you've already died, Mm. and yet hold a vision that you've won and are truly alive. And it it just struck me to such a place in my heart as such truth, especially in going through a difficult experience. And we met years ago when I was beginning to try to fathom a a deep trauma that has been long-lasting and an ongoing experience when you came to Charleston, South Carolina. And you spoke a little bit about logic. And I think we all have our own way sometimes to try to cope with something that has haven't happened, we try to logicalize it or spiritualize it, and perhaps that's some stage or form of denial, such as in the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross uh, idea of, of, of grief. And I know that at the time, for me, it was like, with all the spiritual work I've done for this to have happened and for me to be going through this, there must be a bigger reason, there must be a bigger cause. And it was kind of like grasping for something to try to make meaning of this horrific, traumatic, painful experience that just wouldn't stop. And mm-hmm. I think so often that is the, the, the threads that we keep holding on to. But it's that old life that you talk about that is no longer there. We're holding on to strings and strands of something that has frazzled away and dissolved to a point where it's so weak you can't still hold it and yet there's this void space of trying to understand where we're going and to be swallowed up by that darkness in that moment that we encounter is that, uh, as you quote in your book, the line devoted to the difficult and beautiful journey of being human. It's almost as if we have to be swallowed whole to then find our true humanity. It's as if we may not even realize what humanity is until the storms begin hitting.
2: Well, wherever it's always a challenge, and I think we, we have to have compassion for ourselves and each other, that it's always a challenge. I, I have found that, you know, we, our humanity is how we access spirit. We have these wonderful minds that can transcend or conceptualize But until we actually live through things, we don't really embody spirit. And it's, you know, any one moment that's that's very difficult. It's understandable that that colors everything. But I think that one of the, the what I would call functional faith, not faith in a doctrine or a saint or a form of God or a church or any particular tradition. But functional faith is, you know, when it rains and we're under the cloud, and it's wet, and it's cold, that's real. And there's no escaping that. And the sun has never stopped shining. And functional faith is not rationalizing one or the other, but holding on to the truth of both. Always understand, you know, and I did in my cancer journey I was you know thrust no through no wisdom on my part I was thrust into this understanding and years ago I, w- I had a, my first chemo treatment was horribly botched and I was in a holiday inn outside of New York City t- three weeks after I had a rib removed from my back getting sick from and throwing up from uh, ill administered chemo and I and you know I was scared I didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, and as the sun was coming up, just I think because I was exhausted, I it occurred to me, or I was given this grace to see. Oh well, yes, this is true for me. And somewhere nearby, a baby's being born, and so, some, mm. and somewhere nearby, a couple is making love for the first time, and somewhere nearby, a. a uh, a parent and a child who've been estranged are sitting down and hearing each other for the first time and so i realized for the first time that to be broken is no reason to see all things as broken and you know i think i use in the book uh one of the great uh, lines from uh Rainer maria rilke the great austrian poet is he said um let everything happen Beauty and terror. No one feeling is final. Keep going.
1: Hmm. You know, it, it's interesting, and when when I look back on my experience, the moment that I had my so-called—I'll call it the cancer moment, or the pandemic moment, or the trauma storm, or whatever you want to call it—my first thought was, "I've been so devoted to the light." Can I be equally devoted to the darkness? Can I sit in this? Can I immerse in it? Can I allow myself to lay in it and see what it's here to give to me and to teach me? And you write in the book, in the Jewish tradition, the word Sabbath literally means the one day we don't turn one thing into another, Mm. and we're being forced to stop, to be still, to halt our out-of-balance doing. In essence, all of humanity has been ushered into a global Sabbath, and that's what has taken place with the pandemic, and I would imagine in your cancer journey, everything in your world came to a stop where you had to be where you were. We live in a world that really refuses and and resists stopping. It continuously moves forward, and we're even given that kind of conditioning and cultural attitude of don't let anything hold you back. Just keep going. You can make it. You know, it's all these platitudes that kind of convince people that they have to push past the feelings, push past the trauma, but doesn't that keep us from fully accessing humanity when we do that?
2: Yes, yes, and all the traditions speak in different ways that, you know, heaven, eternity is right where we are in the smallest detail if we can be present enough and open-hearted enough to receive it. And of course, being human, no one can stay that open hearted all the time, but we can believe in it and stay committed to it. And, and so I think our individual practice, whatever it may be, is always a practice of return, a practice of coming back, of course correcting. And I think that, you know, I think it's so true that without and it doesn't mean you have to have things figured out, but without a being open to an inner life open to re- the truth of relationship, open to how, where inner and outer connect. Without being in that, existence will start to, outer the outer world of circumstance will start to define us with its characteristics. So this is you know one of the things that I try to talk to in, in the beginning of the book is we are not only from the pandemic isolating us, but technology has isolated us Mark,
1: I'm going to have you take a break and pick up right there around the technology and what has isolated us. Uh, We need to go to a quick break. We live in a turbulent time. Storms are everywhere of every shape and size. And like every generation before us, like every soul's journey on Earth, we must learn the art of surviving storms so we can endure and build a better world. The reason heart work is so important in surviving storms is that as a tree needs to deepen its roots and widen its trunk to endure the force of unexpected storms, we need to know our true self so we can deepen our roots and solidify our connection to all spirit and all of life. Then we too can endure the force of unexpected storms. This is especially relevant now. These words are from Mark Nepo's book, Surviving Storms, Finding the Strength to Meet Adversity. I invite you to visit his website, Marknepo.com. You can find out about the 23 books he has written along with his recorded audio projects, but most especially about his latest book, Surviving Storms. You can also order it anywhere books are sold. Uh, We'll be right back with more of Nepo right after these messages.
3: Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose. The 1111 mastermind community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course. Dream a new dream. The 1111 mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses 1111mag.com change begins with you let it be simple convenient and transformative the time is now step through the 1111 gateway courses.1111mag.com
0: live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IMSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Before I get back to Mark Nepo and his book, Surviving Storms, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals with the things that you're encountering? Do you require some additional support? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now, I want you to understand this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is actually professional therapy done securely online and there is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. It is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send messages to your therapist. The special offer for 1111 Talk Radio is that you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash 11. Spell out the word 11. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dot .com forward slash 11 and spell out the word 11. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed, and it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy. Financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily, and you can join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Again, get 10% off your first month at com forward slash 11 and spell out the word 11. Every generation has its share of turbulence and chaos, personal storms, relational storms, life storms, and all the traditions offer practices and resources to help us be strong enough and kind enough to meet the challenges of our day. It's our turn to rediscover these practices and resources in order to repair ourselves and our world. All this is inner practice. All of this is heart work, says Mark Nepo. Find out more about his latest book, Surviving Storms, Find the Strength to Meet Adversity, by going to marknepo.com, along with his other books and his audio courses, And while you're there, look up his new year-long course that he's hosting in Michigan. He's taking a small group of 16. Can you imagine that? A beautiful, intimate group coming together for four weekends over the year to do a real deep dive. Again, that's marknepo.com. Go right there and find out all you need to know. Uh, Welcome back, Mark. You were talking about... Uh, technology and how that's one of the things that has disjointed us. So I'd love for you to pick up right where you left it off.
2: Yeah, thank you. So, you know, so one of, as we were mentioning, or I was mentioning that, you know, if we don't pursue an interrelational life, whatever, whatever form you want to call it, whatever name you want to give it, then the way water fills a hole, the characteristics of, of technology and surface life will fill us. They're not, they're tools. They're not codes to live by. And so one of the things that, you know, technology as we know, it's rapid, it's in more more places at one time than just being where you are. And there's even a term, you know, fear of missing out. And one of the menacing assumptions throughout history, but even more acute today is this assumption that life is happening other than where we are. It's over there. It's in that relationship I see. It's in that dream. It's in that ambition or it's in, you know, I missed it. I missed it. Uh Uh-oh. And I think what I've learned in my life through great love and great suffering are the great cleansing agents that affirm for us that there is no there. There's only here. Mm -hmm. There's only here. And so I think one of the things that's so important today is I think we have a large uh, a large amount of our citizenry, of our of humanity is struggling uh, having lost our direct connection to life. And when we don't have that, we lose our reverence for life. You know, one of the things that so startled me in seeing the insurrection on January sixth, and like many people, I saw it on TV. Was regardless of who believed in what and what stances. Under all of that, I was witnessing barbaric violence, and at the yes. s- and at the same time, uh, people were so dissociated they were taking pictures of themselves, yes, as if they were on a video game, as if they didn't know the difference between what was real and what was not and i think that we suffer this dislocation this disillusion of reality you know if i put my hand in the water i don't need you to tell me that it's wet and likewise i know what pain is i know what love is i know what gentleness is i know what what grief is and how do we restore our direct connection with life because then that cleanses our eyes and ears and heart and and mind, and we see, feel, and hear differently. And once we restore bit by bit our direct connection with life and our reverence with life, by definition, we can't so easily harm each other. And so, you know, we, we're in the, the the, you know, Facebook and all these things have, have, isolated us in these bubbles, you know, we're we're not really alone when we're in technology.
1: But yet we're so alone. That's the thing. So many people Mm. are in social media or in technology, and yet they are isolated. They are living alone and lonely lives and so often portraying the opposite. And you write that this is the loss of our common center, that that's part of the problem of this over-reliance of technology, that we are portraying something and not really accessing any feeling. So in that sense, we're believing that someone else needs to tell us that water is wet because we've lost touch with our own senses. And you talk about two fault lines Mm -hmm. that you see as pretty significant in our culture today. Would you go over those?
2: Oh, uh, did you have? Uh, there were several, as it is there, was there any in particular that you wanted me to focus on, or?
1: Um. Well, go ahead and focus on any others. I happen to write two that uh, that I really, like, tapped into as I, witnessed the world. But go ahead and speak to the ones that really speak to you.
2: Well, I think you know the 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 deepest are this sense. You know, we, we go all the way back, and this goes all the way back to the Industrial Revolution. And how we had, you know, and Karl Marx, who often gets mistreated because, you know, Marx didn't create Marxism, (laughs) dictators did. And, but he had some tremendous insights and one in particular in the 1840s when the industrial revolution was beginning. And for the first time, you know, most people, they, they had a farm life. And so where you worked and where you lived was the same place. And for the first time, people were working in a different place than they lived. And for the first time, people were not engaged in the entire process of creating or farming or tending. They were asked to work on a part of something. And so people not only were separated from each other, but they were uh, separated from the wholeness of life. And what Marx foresaw, he said, Progress is great, but, but what's going to happen is people will start to be separated and broken from their basic human nature. And if you have enough citizens divorced from their basic human nature, you have an alien nation.
1: Mm.
2: And he coined the term alienation. In fact, he saw the first generation of therapists I was thinking when you were offering the the, the help, uh, the uh, the offering some help to people during the break, the first generation of therapists he called alienists because their job was to repair people to their basic human nature. This seems very relevant right now. We need to repair our basic human nature so we realize that we are connected, We realize that what happens to you happens to me. And so, and of course, this is all overwhelming, but we do this a step at a time. You know, uh, Mother Teresa said courage is doing small things with love.
1: You know, it's one of the things that I think is so rampant right now, and, and it does stem from a lot of the, I'll say, pretending or acting or masking that we have turned into, and and that is a, a basic self-centeredness that is not the type of self-centeredness that's love <clears throat> or that's self-care, but but a real more narcissistic type of self-centeredness. And I would say it's kind of blanketed across all arenas, all industries, all things in subtle and large ways that feels almost unnoticed. And and that indifference, that uncaring, is the direct opposite pole of the love and the kindness that you speak about that is engendered by humanity. And so to bring to light our own narcissism, to be present to our own degree of indifference and apathy, almost requires the storm to shake us up.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and again, we don't have to look. This is not to deify suffering. This is to that life by its very nature. You know, suffering is to human beings what erosion is to nature. It It helps us bring out of us that which is unbreakable. Everything breaks except that which is unbreakable. Mm and and it is true that you know each culture like a personality has a, has strengths and weaknesses and one of the strengths in the western world has been the the true more authentic development of a self and of the the depth of a self and how the heart and the mind lead and can be a conduit for spirit but the shadow is self-centeredness the the then we have this modern Uh, psychological disease in in America, especially of narcissism, where the only thing that matters is self-interest. And so, you know, when fear tells us that self-interest will save us, it's only the truth of love and suffering that really show us that we're more together than alone. You You know, it's very interesting that studies have been done In the world of philanthropy, and it's found that the people who give the most are the people who have the 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 least. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of compassion. Because once we suffer, oh my God, we know what it's like to suffer. You know, I remember in my 30s I used to play racquetball and. Um, but but you'll see why that's in this story. But, but you know, I was in a grocery line and there was an older woman, probably my age now, older. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, she was, obviously something was wrong with her back. She was walking so slowly. And I remember being online and I was slowing everybody down and I felt sympathy for her, which I say, because I didn't yet feel compassion. And then I started to get impatient, I have to say, you know. Well, the racquetball now comes back in. About a month or two later, I tweaked my back while playing racquetball. Oh, now I couldn't even get from the bed to the bathroom for about 10 days. Well, now I understood. And, and, And ever since then, if I see someone slow in the line, I don't just watch. I go help them carry their groceries because the the work of compassion makes us reach reach out to each other
1: experience teaches us so much about ourselves but it teaches us even more about others because then we see ourselves the long swells of history crest and crash century after century the kindness and cruelty of an age expands and contracts the openness and narrowness of how we learn either grows or collapses depending on how each generation reacts to the storms they encounter and create. Likewise, we can learn from what we've been through. We can expand again and open our minds and hearts. We can find our way back to kindness. If we dare to see each other in ourselves and accept the truth of what we've broken, then we can see what needs repair. This is from Mark Nepo's latest book titled, Surviving Storms, Finding the Strength to Meet Adversity. You can find out more at martinipo.com. You'll also see some of his other best-selling works, such as The Book of Awakening and some of his other books, The Book of Soul, Drinking from the River of Light, and More Together Than Alone. His latest, again, is Surviving Storms. Definitely pick up your copy and dive into this work and the deep contemplations that are included in it. And also find out more about the year-long course in Michigan, For a small group of 16 to come together four weekends over the year, there are a couple of spots left, so you want to definitely dive into that. While you're at it, order my second book, Being, in the Self-Realization series. It addresses the seven illusions of personal life and social conditioning, time, duality, money, hierarchy, identity, evolution, and war. In becoming aware of individual expressions of fear, self-obsession, and separation – the opportunity to transcend the human condition exists. Being engages the bold, fiercely loving, and courageous conversation that can move our world from conformity to courage, distraction to presence, interference to intuition, and vice to virtue. Find out more by clicking the banner at the top of the show page or going to my website, com. We'll be right back with Mark Nepo right after these messages.
3: you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course. Dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com.
0: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IMSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: If we are to survive the storms, we must understand the nature and life of storms, how they develop, travel, and dissolve, as well as the forms of disturbance they can cause. Looking at the life of actual storms can give us clues to how to meet the many personal, relational, and societal storms we encounter. Often the storms of life upend us without notice. Yet, like it or not, storms are also agents of transformation. My guest today is Mark Nepo, and we are discussing surviving storms, finding the strength to meet adversity. You can find out all about him by going to marknepo.com. That's Mark, dot com. While you're there, take a look at his year-long course in Michigan. It's a group of 16 that are coming together for four weekends over a year to do some very intimate and deep and rich work mark, we we have both been through deep and profound experiences, and we we talk about them. We urge individuals to go inside, to do the inner work, to be with their feelings, to um, mind their humanity from deep within their bodies and their experiences, so that they, not only can have the compassion and the kindness for the outer world, but I think also so that they can live more fulfilling and rich lives of being centered and grounded and rooted in a way that truly sees everything as interconnected and one and yet honors the individuality of each of our experiences and the strength that we each have to move through the storms. I think that that's A powerful place to go now is that we all do really have the spirit, the resilience, the strength to get through anything, but it's going to pull from within us everything we've got to stretch those muscles and to expand that energy and to stretch our minds and open our hearts. Talk about resilience and the perseverance, and yet also surrender, and sacrifice. Where do all those words move beyond just being words?
2: Well, let, let's look at and and there. Those. It's a wonderful question. We can spend days on on that. But let's look at it uh, in a very kind of spiritually practical way. So when when th- you know resilience and acceptance and surrender, all of them come. It, 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 how do they look? And when we take the next step? And so, I want to focus here on the. The fact that when things break down and break apart, there seem to be three archetypal questions we're challenged to ask ourselves so that and how we answer them brings us into resilience and acceptance and surrender. And this is these questions are for individuals as well as nations. And so now, like, you know, the pandemic or whatever crisis or storm has entered your life personally, we're forced to ask what needs to be repaired what needs to be reimagined now that it has broken and now that it's broken what parts need not to be put back together but to be left dismantled because they really shouldn't have been put together in the first place and so i invite anyone who's listening in your own life where are you in your life? and to answer to journal, to be in conversation with a friend or trusted loved one as an exercise in surrender and acceptance and resilience. Yeah, what needs to be repaired in your life today? What needs to be reimagined? And what, now that it's broken or no longer working, needs not to be put back together? So th- this brings us to a, a word. This is the word sacrifice, and we all know that sacrifice. We've seen a lot of sacrifice. The healthcare workers throughout this pandemic have sacrificed so much for the greater good. So many. We understand what sacrifice at that extreme level means, and all sacrifice as, comes out of the soil of sacrifice. And to understand that, I want to offer the the original. Meaning of the word sacrifice, which is to give up what no longer works in order to stay close to what is sacred. To give up what no longer works in order to stay close to what is sacred. And what that tells us is every not, what's sacred is everything that never goes away. What worked yesterday because we grow and things change and storms come and go and life turns us inside out, what worked yesterday may not work today. And so we need to put it down with reverence and see what what can we replace it with that will keep us close to what is sacred yes what needs to be repaired what needs to be reimagined what needs to be left undone now that it has finally broken what chains or misperceptions um or old identities have have happened to us so you know one, one there's a metaphor that i love to use because it's so powerful about the life of transformation and it's taking a close look at flowers now, we all kind of take it for granted, but whether it's a wildflower or it's been, a seed has been planted, that seed initially is underground. The entire flower is already imprinted in the seed. It's underground and it begins to grow because it, it can't help but grow toward a force it has no experience of. It doesn't even know what it is. It's never experienced it, and that's light. The seed is underground, buried, and it starts growing toward light. That's actually remarkable. And finally, it breaks ground. And now it grows in both directions, outwardly and inwardly. And when that growth in roots and shoots is strong enough that it can stand of its own accord with a stem then finally, a flower starts to blossom. And what is it actually doing when it blossoms? A flower is revealing its inner beauty by turning itself inside out. And it does all of this without going anywhere. And this is, I think, a great metaphor for the life of transformation. Regardless of what happens to us, we have to face what happens to us, but we are more than what is done to us. And through the process of the things we've been talking about, inhabiting, uh, being honest, being compassionate, uh, restoring our connection, direct connection to life, be leaning into resilience and surrender and acceptance, being willing to reform who we are, we slowly reveal our inner beauty by turning ourselves inside out, and we do this willingly or unwillingly. You know, the, the Romans had an old adage. They said, "The fates, uh, the fates lead those who are willing. Those who are not, they drag.":
1: <laughs> I, love, I love all of that um, in my own trilogy, uh, which is a multi-dimensional experience of what we go through simultaneously on all levels. My third book, Knowing the Seven Human Expressions of Grace, is actually about the flowering of humanity, that it is something that has to flower from within us and that it is this both practical and, and, you know, on the ground, moment by moment presence that takes place, but also the alchemy of the transformation by unearthing all that we are and all that we've been and all that we feel so that it becomes the nutrients and the fertilizer for that that flowering to take place and through that process what i discovered was the very things that have always surrounded us are the greatest of blessings and grace and it is the ordinary the simplicity uh, the, the small moments, the, the kind gestures. It's the little things that really are the great things. And you have a section in the book where you talk about the blessing of the ordinary. In mm-hmm. your own experience mm-hmm. through cancer and through working with many people all these years with all of your amazing books, talk a little bit about how that deepening presence to self and to the moment really do reveal a richness to the quality of what's ordinary.
2: Yeah, so thank you. You know, we we live in a world that preaches exceptionalism or that we are trying to find always what is special. Everything is special. The extraordinary is hiding in the ordinary and all it needs is our presence to reveal itself. And, you know, one of the things I like this to use this image, which I use in the chapter. And if you imagine, we've all been to a lake or a pond sometime in our lives and and usually the surface water it might be a breeze or it could be more choppy. It could be more disturbed if, if but always, almost always the water on the surface is moving and once in a while it goes still and we can see through to the bottom. And Mm -hmm. this is the blessing of the ordinary. Any moment that we can be present to stills the water so we can see through into the heart of what life is all about. Not only see through, but feel it. And then circumstance will happen and things will stir up the waters. But we know that bottom is always there and we can chance into it through moments of epiphany and revelation and moments of love and suffering that open, that make the waters. And we can also practice stilling the waters. Obviously, the first practice of that is all the different traditions have different forms of meditation, which are all efforts to still the waters so you can see through to the bottom, the underlying reality that connects everything. But there are other ways. What is in your personal toolbox? Do you listen to that favorite piece of music? Do you read a certain passage in a book? Do you garden? Do you go for a walk with a friend? Do you go to that favorite spot in nature? There are all kinds of what is in your toolbox that helps you still the waters? Because when we're connected to that underlying reality, we renew our reverence for life.
1: When broken open, we are led to a deeper, more resilient truth, which is, what opens us is never as important as what it is opened. What opens us might be unjust or catastrophic. And while the injustice or tragic event might warrant our moral and inner fortitude, the path open within us and between us is always more important, for it is by following that path that we grow more deeply into our lives." I urge you to pick up your copy of Surviving Storms, Finding the Strength to Meet Adversity by Mark Nepo. Go to his website and sign up for his newsletter if you're not already connected to him at marknepo.com. Thank you, Mark, for being on the show once again. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality.